Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the need to know political news and tea. So as always, we'll keep you updated. Welcome back to Top Stories of the Week. Coming into a big week politically with the big old State of the Union coming up, that which we will talk about in a second. But Samantha, Literally, how are you? Okay, well, I'm good, but like, with an asterisk as per usual Mm. this is a complaint a concern mixed with a question okay (laughs) all right so i was wearing this outfit earlier if it's still up on the story guys like go check it out well kind of like a rewrite of an outfit that i did a few years ago so i have i actually don't have that many belts in my wardrobe mostly because they never fit me. It just doesn't work out. I have one exception to the rule, which is ones that are um, like that woven situation where you can like poke the thing mm-hmm. through the weave. So it's fine. Anyways, I have this really nice black woven leather one, but it's peeling. I'm literally sitting in leather peel that's all around me from like when I was like literally sitting here doing work before in the outfit. Guys, I have I've changed. I'm in PJ mode. You can only sit in a real outfit for so many hours before your brain cells melt is what I've heard. And I'm shocked you do that. You You do like you do shoes even, which is crazy to me. Okay, well, this is part of it. It's two things. One, I do love, you know, full outfit, a full aesthetic moment. But it's like a weird ADHD hack that I saw on TikTok. It's classic, classic everything on TikTok. And it was saying how like it helps your brain like realize like you're in like a work mode again this is not a medical podcast don't take this advice more than just like this is what i tried and it's like occasionally Mm -hmm. helpful for me but it does sometimes make me feel like a little bit more able to like concentrate so sometimes i do it for a little bit but then part of the problem is i don't sit like a normal person and then i can't sit like certain chairs yeah i'm sure it helps in a lot of ways but it would also like hinder me in a lot of ways it just like would depend on my mood like some days i couldn't be bothered to change today being one of them and then some days i'm like yeah i want to actually just do something to myself so that i'm not like straight out of bed and it does it does help you get in a certain mindset but yeah getting into our top stories of the week Mm. i suppose those those little things oh the story and just the thing on everyone's mind and agendas in the political world this week is the old state of the union because it is time it's officially time for the state of the union it's always happening in the beginning of the year where the president finally addresses congress you know what i love about the state of the union the outfits 
no, but that is well, like, yes, but like not the first thing I was thinking of. And the first thing is like how in articles it becomes like so too. Like, you know, they try and like make it like short and sometimes yeah. S-O-T and you're like, yeah, yeah. We're just talking about the so too. For some reason, I'm just obsessed with it and I find it like so funny and so cute. Mm-hmm. And- well, I love okay, like just all the acronyms that. like POTUS, FLOTUS, so too, you know. POTUS and FLOTUS at so too. Literally. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, Look for new faces and fresh political dynamics as President Joe Biden delivers this year's State of the Union address, coupled with the attention to some old problems brought back into painful focus by recent events. The president on Tuesday night will stand before a joint session of Congress for the first time since voters in the midterm elections handed control of the House to Republicans. Biden, like presidents past, will make the case that the nation is strong and that better days lie ahead but he finds himself in choppy waters as he passes the halfway mark of his term. So here are some things to watch on Tuesday night, a.k.a. tonight when you are watching if you're listening on Tuesday. So first things first is the Biden versus McCarthy battle. The battle royale. The battle royale. It will be GOP House Speaker Kevin McCarthy wielding the gavel and seated behind Biden on the days this time rather than Democrat Nancy Pelosi, which is like, Honestly, the thing I'm excited to watch this time, it's like, I'm really sad Nance isn't going to be there because Mm -hmm. she always provides such entertainment value. And it's going to be, I think, though, entertaining as well to see the facial expressions, the body language, and any other type of performance that Kevin McCarthy puts on because he'll be sitting behind Joe Biden and we'll be able to watch him the whole time. So excited about that personally. Mm, I feel that. So like this article says, watch the body language between the two and how Republican legislators treat Biden overall after some sharp GOP outbursts from the audience last year. The president and new speaker recently had a productive first sit down, but are at an impasse over the nation's borrowing limit. Republicans have refused to raise the statutory debt limit unless Biden accepts cuts in federal spending. By the way, if you go listen to our top stories from two weeks ago, you can get an explainer on the debt limit conversation. Biden has said raising the cap is not up for negotiation and Congress must pay the nation's bills or the country will face economic calamity. Calamity. So other thing to watch is the conversation around gun violence and policing. The parents of Tyree Nichols, who was severely beaten by police officers in Memphis and later died, are expected to be in the audience for Biden's address. So is Brandon Say, who disarmed the gunman who shot and killed 11 people last month in Monterey Park, California, along with others who jumped in during recent mass shootings. Watch how Biden, in their presence, speaks to the recent rash of mass shootings and the beating death of Nichols after his past efforts to address gun violence and police excesses have been sharply restricted by resistance in Congress. Biden has repeatedly urged Congress to pass an assault weapons ban, and he's likely to talk about it again on Tuesday. He's also spoken out about the deaths of Black and brown people at the hands of police, but for him, it's a sensitive matter. He's a longtime institutionalist who believes in the rule of law and often says he believes in giving police forces better tools and training and not disbanding them. The other thing to watch are the new faces in the building. So there will be plenty of new faces in the crowd as Biden addresses the nation. The nation has a new Supreme Court justice since last year's address in Kintanji Brown-Jackson. And in recent years, justices have tended to attend addresses by the president who nominated them. There are new legislators 
from both parties as well among those getting outsized attention. So Rep. George Santos, the New York Republican who has been in the spotlight for embellishments and lies about his education, work experience, and other aspects of his personal and professional life. The other thing is the Chinese balloon, which we will actually get into in a second, but look for Biden to talk about his decision to have the military shoot down a suspected Chinese surveillance balloon on Saturday. But how tough will he be on China is the big question and the partisan talks at the moment. What next in Ukraine is the other thing that we're going to be watching. So Biden has repeatedly said the U.S. is committed to helping Ukraine, quote, as long as it takes to beat back Russia. The United States has already committed nearly $30 billion in security assistance since the start of the war. Polls show Americans remain broadly in favor of providing support to Ukraine as it tries to fend off Russia. Administration officials, however, have made it clear to Ukraine that Congress, Congress's patience with the cost of the war is not endless. So there's that. Next thing is the classified document probe. Will Biden bring it up? Not likely. After, <laughs> after criticizing... Shocking. Shocking. After criticizing his predecessor, Republican President Donald Trump, for holding on to classified documents after his presidency, Biden now finds himself in the middle of a special counsel inquiry into classified documents that were found in his home and former office space. Biden is likely to steer clear of the controversy in his address, as past presidents have tended to avoid mention of whatever's got them into difficulty. Can you fair. imagine if, like, fair, like, no matter which side of the aisle, I'm fair, but, like, can you imagine if you're, like, Ladies and gentlemen of the United States. Let's talk about it. About this. But honestly, the thing is, if you, can, if you can spin it the right way, like it could be an iconic moment to like just call it out, you know, but mm-hmm. you would have to have a really, really good plan for that and strategy and comms vibe. And I also think it's like it plays into whatever your opposition's, you know, hand is. It gives them get- material to keep right. talking about As it. As opposed yeah. to giving the, also giving the opportunity. I think the State of the Union also gives the opportunity to talk about successes mm-hmm. that they've accomplished in any presidency. And so I think, and a lot of times you don't get the stage to do that. A lot of it's so reactive. So yeah. I could see, you know, it's like, I, I really get how it's like, doesn't make sense, but I just think it would be like so funny and so like comically gotcha if it were a part of it. I agree. I agree. Well, next thing is the 2024 question. Biden is expected to announce he's running for re-election sometime this spring, but there's growing sentiment among voters that he should stick to one term. Will Biden address the re-election question head on? Probably not, but his speech could well be framed as an argument for additional four years of Biden, of a Biden White House. And millions of viewers will be evaluating not just Biden's words, but his delivery as they weigh whether that's a good idea. And then culture wars is the last thing here we can watch because Arkansas's new governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, will deliver the Republican response to Biden's address. So she will come on right after and give her her speech and rebuttal to Joe Biden. But don't expect her to hold back on the national stage and making the case that Democrats are out of touch with mainstream American values. Right, right, right. Because mainstream American values are banning the word Latinx from use in the state of Arkansas state level on day one of the job. Right. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. You know what? When most people are sitting at the kitchen table and they're saying, you know what? I just I really feel like this would make a difference in our lives. This will help us pay the bills, help us get our kids to college. They're saying, you know what, though? 
first things first. First priority is this. Latinx, the word. Like I just really... So yeah, that'll be interesting. I think the selection really goes toward or underscores the classic like how i don't know what the right phrase is for this but situation that the right often does where they like use essentially women to prop Mm -hmm. up their messaging and it's like it's they love a good conservative woman oh for sure because it gets Mm -hmm. them to be able to hide behind their misogyny because this person is like deep deep in the trenches of their own what is the word that i'm looking for the internalized misogyny is, Thank you. Thank you. is, yeah. Well, we will be watching. I hope you all will be watching. It is, I think, always an important moment. It's also yeah. fun, you know, just one of those fun political moments, those big events that we love to see. Yeah. And it's like, if you are in the C-SPAN crew, <laughs> this is like one of those things to watch because you actually get to see the reactions. I'm hoping the cameras will do some panning around, you know, like get a little. Yeah, totally. And excited not like excited but just excited for the entertainment of watching the crowd like you said especially because of what we just witnessed with the speaker of the house votes and that whole debacle and how just vocal this this audience is this this audience in in the Mm -hmm. house so Mm -hmm. it will be interesting to say the absolute least tune in and i have one more thing Ten. One more, I mean, one more thing for me is really 10 more things, but I will try and keep this to one more thing. And that is that our episode Wednesday is literally perfectly mm, timed for this because we chatted with a speechwriter, political speechwriter who, hi, Biggie, who literally, sorry, guys, we had a dog moment. We had a political speechwriter come on the show and the interview episode is being released this week. He is a Literally, like, if you think of, like, celebrities in whatever their niche is, he's basically, like, a celebrity in political speech writing. He has written speeches for the likes of Elizabeth Warren and so many more names and just is fucking amazing. So we talk about the State of the Union. We talk about, like, releasing bits before and, like, so many other entities and, like, what this job entails and how it all works. You're not going to want to miss it. So if you're not already subscribed on Apple, if you're not already following on Spotify... Or, you know, you want to have a conversation with your friends about the State of the Union and speech writing and that whole Michigas. This is going to be one. No, it couldn't have been a better timed, better timed interview. And I think it'll be the, yeah, like you said, perfect behind the scenes moment, especially coming off such a big speech event, like, like the SOTU. And (laughs) it's like a literal drink. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, we always record like Tuesdays. For our intro for Wednesday. So like we won't have the material to break down unless we like release episode late. Which, no way. No way. So unfortunately we can't break it down on Wednesday, but we will definitely be talking about it all over social media and probably honestly into next week. So stay so, tuned. And in the meantime, we have to talk about story two involving the balloon. The balloon. SNL. I only watched the first skit in SNL this week, and it was about the balloon. It was actually hilarious. Highly suggest. Oh, my God. Going to need to watch. I saw it was a tweet. It was probably like a, a reposted Kitty Grisberg tweet, and it was talking about how, like, the terminology of the balloon was so cute that it was so hard. You're like, how could yeah. you... That's like kind of what the SNL skit was about. They, like, interviewed the balloon, and it was, like, in the water, in the ocean, and it was like... 
I don't know why they had to like shoot me down like this. Like, oh, I did see that. <laughs> poor balloon. Well, not so poor balloon for this actual balloon, but in the context yeah. of SNL, might be a little more serious than just a little serious, well, serious, just a little okay. birthday balloon. Oh, wow! I never knew I had so much empathy for. Wow. Anyways, the Republican lawmakers on Sunday during the little Sunday show situations accused China of deliberately surveying sensitive U.S. military sites. The suspected spy balloon said the Biden administration had given Beijing an intelligence opening by not downing the balloon during its high altitude drift through American airspace. China, meanwhile, accused the U.S. of indiscriminate use of force when the American military shot down the balloon. The vice foreign minister said he lodged a formal complaint with the U.S. Embassy on Sunday over the U.S. attack on the Chinese civilian, quote-unquote, unmanned airship by military force. The balloon's presence in the sky above the United States before a military jet shot it down over the Atlantic Ocean with a missile on Saturday further strained U.S.-China ties. America's top diplomat abruptly scrapped a trip to Beijing, and China's defense ministry said in a statement after the balloon, fell into the waters of the Carolina coast, that it reserves the right to take necessary measures to deal with similar situations. In a quote from Representative Mike Turner of Ohio, a Republican, he said, clearly this is an attempt by China to gather information to defeat our command and control of our sensitive missile defense and nuclear weapons sites. And that certainly is an urgency that the administration does not recognize. U.S. defense and military officials said that the balloon entered the U.S. air defense zone north of the Aleutian Islands on January 28th, moved largely over land across Alaska and then into Canadian airspace into the Northwest Territories on Monday. Crossed back into the U.S. territory over northern Idaho on Tuesday and the day the White House said President Biden was first briefed on it. It defies belief to suggest there was nowhere between Alaska and the Carolinas where the U.S. could have safely shot down the balloon, said Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the full Senate will give a briefing next week on the balloon, including details about its surveillance capabilities, and that the administration is considering measures against the Chinese for their brazen brazen activities. He said the GOP criticism was political and premature and that the U.S. had sent a clear message to China that is not acceptable. Before I continue, I will say I was watching MSNBC this weekend and I can't remember what previous like security official they were chatting with. But he made an interesting comment of talking about how this particular situation was super visible. So it was like hard not to capitalize on it from a like political lens because like a typical like u.s citizen doesn't see like surveillance happening in a weird satellite somewhere or like Mm -hmm. happening behind the scenes and so understanding the threat of china to the u.s is like really hard for them to paint and so even if this was like a threat but not nearly a like level 10 threat like this guy was saying it was like a really realistically a level two he was like this gives an opportunity to like actually paint a picture that like there is there a is a here this, yeah and so i think that's just interesting of like how much like pr and messaging and taking advantage of particular situations goes into these things and why we hear about them and why we don't hear about other things and like what yeah. that looks like i just thought it was like good food for thought in the words of mariah carey to china why are you so obsessed with me <laughs> is the first thing that comes to mind But anyways, side notes aside, a little more detail here. A senior administration official said other Chinese balloons transited the U.S. at least briefly on three different occasions during the Trump administration, once previously since Biden took office. The official said that the Trump balloon transits only became known after Trump left office and that intelligence agencies would offer briefings to former officials from the last administration on China's global surveillance programs. 
Biden issued the shoot-down order but had wanted it to happen earlier on Wednesday. He was advised that the best time for the operation would be when it was over water, U.S. officials said. Military officials determined that bringing down the balloon over land from an altitude of 60,000 feet would pose an undue risk to people on the ground. Now, interesting thing that I did spot in some of the coverage was about like the velocity of this thing coming down from the air and totally. essentially like it hitting, you know, depending on its weight, how it would hit the water, would it be like it hitting concrete, whatever. And I wonder, I don't know the answer to this, if there is a difference on impact of having it fall into water versus land. Just was one of my totally. thoughts. What do you mean? Like damage wise? Yeah. So I'm wondering yeah. if there would be more damage of it landing, of them shooting it down over land than water. And that's like something in this too. And they're not saying that. Well, yeah, I'm sure they wanted to also be able to retrieve it as best as they could and get any information from the pieces and the debris that they got. And I think, yeah, the other thing is, I think it it is better, easier to retrieve, similar to like rockets. And when they come back down, like they usually land in water. Oh, that's a good um, point. Yeah. Um, science. Science. This is it's not a not science, science podcast. <laughs> it's not. It's just not. We both did really, really well in science. It's fine. No, I cried in chemistry class. We all know this. It's true. It's true. Mm. TBT. Let's, you know, we're going to move back into this with a quote from Marco Rubio. <laughs> he said, the message they, the Chinese, were trying to send is what they believe internally and that... It, and that is that the United States is a once great superpower that's hollowed out, that's in decline. I wonder and, why, Marco Rubio. It might be. I wonder why. Answer. It, it might be because of you and you're enabling to point fingers. Um, a terrible, terrible man as our president. Thank you. Mm, would be that. Could be that. It is that. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, now that we've we've gone full detective mode. So glad we figured that one out. He Thanks. also said, "Thank you, Margaret Rubio, for supporting a president that ruined all of our international relationships, mm. except for, for a few of very oh. dangerous ones." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. What did, what else did he say? Oh, he also said, "And the message they're trying to send the world is: Look, these guys can't even do anything about a balloon flying over U.S. airspace. How can you possibly count on them if they're if something were to happen in the Indo-Pacific region?" Now, I just want to say immediately, I totally disagree with that. I do, too. I was just going to say this is such a kindergarten way of understanding this situation. <laughs> a thousand percent. I don't think that is like if you're like looking about how conflicts escalate, oftentimes yeah. they escalate over things that seem so small. And there are the, or when you act too the, quickly on something right. without like, you know, doing the research that you need to do or, you know, surveilling the, the situation which is what we did do and found the best route to safely bring this thing down. It's, yeah, like, it's so classic to hear this from Marco Rubio, but basically he's saying, like, we should have just shot it down immediately. It's like, well, we didn't assess anything about this at that point. Why I also just do that? don't think this idea of, like, the U.S. was this once great superpower. Like, if people were thinking that or are thinking that, which totally fair if you think that, whatever, it's not because of a balloon situation. It's about 10,000 other things, yeah. like taking away reproductive rights from, I don't know, a population worth more than 50%. I have one. You know? I have one, too. Mm -hmm. Allowing an insurrection on our government. Right. And then, like, not condemning it after. That's good. That's, That's probably a good one. You know, when your own right. people try yeah. to, like, upend your government. And then, like, the people in that government who 
literally were under attack, like decided after, like it wasn't a big deal. Like that's pretty dangerous to our, um, to our reputation on the global stage. I would say that would be the one. That would be the one. So yeah, Rubio, maybe just a little Rubio reflects. That would be a cute series if it. I wouldn't buy that book. No, no. I wouldn't listen to that pod. I put that in the can of like Josh Hawley's book. Yeah. Good night. The garbage can. Also speaking of podcasts, if you are a Politico listening to this podcast and you've ever thought about starting your own or you have one and you're trying to get it off the ground, we are offering podcast consulting for the political space. It's a new segment of our larger consulting menu. So if that's ringing any bells, putting in on any light bulbs for you, send us a note at infoatgirlonthegup.com. Now to finish this story. By Wednesday, the balloon was over Montana, home to Maelstrom Air Force Base, which has the field of nuclear missile silos. Now, I did not know this before this story. It I is funny either. what just comes to yeah. the top of the water, if you will. The Chinese didn't go and look at the Grand Canyon, Turner said. They went and looked at our nuclear weapon sites and the missile defense sites throughout the country. That is also just such a classic hide it in plain sight. Like, yeah, hide it in Montana. Anyways, on Thursday, the Pentagon publicly exposed the balloon. The balloon's big exposure. (laughs) After that, Australian went and the balloon to leave the U.S., Schumer told reporters on Sunday. U.S. official who is not authorized to discuss the matter publicly spoke on the condition of anonymity. Never going to be able to get the anonymity. Confirmed that the balloon changed course at that point. No, it's another word that I realize I cannot pronounce. One of my best friends can't either. I spent five minutes trying to read it. Anonymity? I don't even think I said that right. Nathan- wait, Neanderthal. We kept saying Neanderthal. Nathandral. Nathandral. <laughs> Nathaniel? <laughs> um, we were like looking at it, couldn't get past it. So anyways, with those... Neanderthal. Who are yes, that is the crazy story that is the balloon. And balloon gate. it was an interesting week trying to like watch this and figure out what was going to happen with it. I think this, you know, should have some updates in coming days and I think will be a rolling story just given that there is still there's still a lot we need to learn about what this whole thing was and then the Senate is going to look into it as well so we'll keep everyone posted if there's any any new updates moving on to the recent polls that came out about Joe Biden because this is a conversation Sam and I have been having all the time of like what's going to happen in 2024. And these polls aren't looking good for Biden because a majority of Democrats now think one term is plenty for President Joe Biden, despite his insistence that he plans to seek re-election in 2024. That is according to a new poll from the Associated Press, NORC Center for Public Affairs Research. NORC. Sounds like a really cute animal that has like some type of like, like a rhino, you know, something that's kind of cute, but has a horn. Maybe you can draw one up and and show us, show it to the class. (laughs) The poll that shows just 37% of Democrats say they want him to seek a second term, down from 52% weeks before last year's midterm elections, which I think is even more troubling given the fact that like, but before the midterms things, people were not, you know, the polls were not in Democrats' favor. You know why I think that is? Is because of the documents situation. A. Mm, yeah. That was like a big, I feel like that's just a game changer in terms of how you perceive him and how you perceive 
his contrast to Trump and or the other Republicans. And second to that, or B, I think going into the midterms, we're going to worry, oh, my God, like, what if we lose both? And Biden winning the presidency felt like a guarantee in a sense, not a guarantee, like a safer choice, like the way that he won the the nomination last time around of like, he's the safe choice. We feel like he's the only one that can compete, especially if we lose these other ways of protection. He's the only way. And then when we kept the Senate and we didn't have as big of losses in the House, I think people are like, oh, there is another way. Yeah, perhaps. I think, yeah, I think especially because this is, you know, a poll amongst Democrats that especially the classified documents of it all, it's like, I think that probably did mess with a lot of Democrats' mind who maybe once supported him or were on board with him, you know, running again. And then the fact that he's getting in trouble for something that Trump's getting in trouble for is Democrats have a conscience (laughs) and actually would care and want, you know, someone who is not Trump, basically. Anyways, so while Biden has trumpeted his legislative victories... Inability to govern. The poll suggests relatively few U.S. adults give him high marks on either. Follow-up interviews with poll respondents suggest that many believe the 80-year-old's age is a liability with people focused on his coughing, his gait, his gaffes, and the possibility that the world's most stressful job would be better suited for someone younger. The classic CGG. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought when it said gait, I thought it was going to say gout. I was like, Biden has gout. It's a real... I know a lot of people with gout. Old people? Over the age of 50. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think my uncle has gout. <laughs> it just makes <laughs> me think of this as 40. This have you ever seen that? So Sarah Overman, who is a Democrat who works in education in Raleigh, North Carolina, said, quote, I honestly think that he would be too old. We could use someone younger in office. As the president gives his State of the Union address on Tuesday, he has the chance to confront fundamental doubts about his competence to govern. Biden has previously leaned heavily on his track record to say that he he's more than up to the task. When asked if he can handle the office's responsibilities at his age, the president has often responded as if he's accepting a dare, quote, watch me, which is honestly the most iconic thing. And like, I think the best answer he could say, because it also just shows that he is like, He's still there to like, you know, make his jokes and totally, you know what I mean? Democratic candidates performed better than expected in 2022 midterm elections, a testament to Biden's message that he is defending democracy and elevating the middle class. Democrats expanded their control of the Senate by one seat and narrowly lost their House majority, even though history indicated there would be a Republican wave. Over 41% approve of how Biden is handling his job as president. The poll shows similar to ratings at the end of last year. A majority of Democrats still approve of the job of the job Biden is doing as president, yet their appetite for a reelection campaign has slipped despite his electoral track record. Only 22 percent of U.S. adults overall say he should run again, down from 29 percent who said so before last year's midterm elections. And so the decline among Democrats saying Biden should run again for president appears concentrated among younger people. Among Democrats age 45 and over, 49% say Biden should run for re-election, nearly as many as the 58% who said that in October. But among those under age 45, 23% now say he should run for re-election, and after 45% said that for the midterms. So big drop off there. I have so many thoughts. Like, I think, especially this last part, the fact that young people aren't vibing with Biden. 
I think it could be as simple as like, he's too old. But I think that's also a communications issue because he has gotten a lot done and he's actually been like a really great president in a lot of ways. But people don't know that because of why they're not reaching on people, which is, you know, why we're here. But I also think to that point, and I don't know if this is just an algorithm algorithming. I feel like they were starting to really dabble into working with influencers and creators and podcasters and so many people in our larger niche in either bringing them to events and, you know, sort of showcasing them that way or having like content moments. And I feel like I've seen a lot less of it since I the midterms. And granted, obviously, there was a very distinct push. There's a reason getting young people out to vote. Mm-hmm. But I really felt like, and I was actually thinking about this yesterday on a walk. I was like, I really feel like I've seen less of it. And I wonder, again, is the algorithm just doing an algorithm thing and I'm just not seeing it's not being served to me specifically, which I don't think it's doing it. But you know what I mean? Like they were on a good path. They're really working the angle. And I feel like they're slipping a little on it. I think they're definitely slipping on it. And like it can't stop with elections. And I think this is the perfect testament to that. And especially because I know that they're doing a lot of messaging stuff right now, a lot of comm stuff right now around the infrastructure package and how they're rolling all of that out and doing a lot of press conferences around it, around the country, and just like showing where this money is going and, you know, showing what kind of jobs it's creating. And, you know, they are, I think, communicating that to kind of the classic like demo of people and demo of voters that politics always tries to reach. And while I think the infrastructure package is not something that like, you know, young people are going to be like, oh my God, amazing. You know, like I think it's still important to communicate that to everyone to well, show I think it would excite happening. them if they're seeing climate forward results. Totally. And then right. also you message it for each demo. And all these different things that are actually happening. Like if, mm-hmm. for example, in your neighborhood, they decide that they are going to build a bridge that they've been planning on building forever. And then you work for a construction company. And now your company of 50 people is employed to the end of the project. And yeah. then you guys are hiring other tradespeople to work on that. And you're, you know what I mean? Like it's totally. so layered and there's so many possibilities. But I think my point, like the press conferences are great and they, in the essence of Covering the bases there and creating media moments in which people attend, like us truly. Or they end up and, on CNN. You and know. all of that. And that's yeah. fine. And they should keep doing that too. Agreed. It's not to say a replace and whatever. But yeah. in addition to that, they need to be providing messaging and connecting with young people on why it's good for, that, good for them, helps them, mm-hmm. and, and helps their families. Because or like, like highlight the parts of it that young people do care about. Like you said, climate and how right. it is very climate forward. So make that the messaging for this demo, make this messaging for people who need the jobs and those like middle-class jobs and blue collar jobs, highlight that part to that, those people, you know, it's like you have to hit every demo and highlight right. the things that that demo cares about. And I think it would go so far for this Me administration. Too. Me too. And I, I hope we see more of that and maybe it's a post so too situation in which they do mm-hmm. that, but it will be a missed opportunity and a huge calamity, for lack of a better word, if yeah. they don't. So, yeah, I'm 
I'm I think really, so I many say- people look at him and they're just like, he's not bad, but he's not great. And he's also really old. And like, that's how people see him. If he weren't as not old as knowing. he were, I think there would be a lot more trust in it. A lot more like, let's see what happens. But I think that it is. And look, I, I don't not worry about that either. Like he is climbing up there and not in the essence of like, I think he seems to be fully fit. And the fact that the guy is doing this at 80 is wild claps. I think he'll be fine, fine. through another it's term. It's not even totally. But I think it's more of just the the lens of it makes it hard to. But I was going to say, so I think it's like the lack of understanding, too. Also, of like he's going to be fine for the next term. He's done a lot. And yeah, he's old, but like if he's going to win re-election against a Trump or a Ron DeSantis, like we're going to want to go with that. And given the odds of how history has worked, like the president in office, the incumbent will likely get reelected, except for this last one. <laughs> but I don't know. I think there's also just a lack of overall understanding of like politics and how it all works and that's not that's not a voter's fault. It's really the people who need to communicate to those voters. It's it's their fault ultimately. But I think there's just a major lack of understanding of how everything works more than anything. Yeah. And just seeing like an old man being like, we can probably do someone younger. It's like, oh no, we know and I agree. And I can't wait for the younger person to come. But if it's now, I'm not sure. I agree. And I just regardless can't wait the day that Gretchen Whitmer runs for president and I can vote for her. I'm just saying. There it is. For future thoughts. But nonetheless, until that day, we do have to talk about another story. Our third story involving the Baltimore power grid. Federal authorities announced Monday that they foiled an attempt by racially motivated extremists to use assault weapons to bring down Baltimore's electrical grid. Sarah Beth Clendaniel of Northeast Maryland and Brandon Russell of Orlando, Florida, were arrested late last week on federal charges that they plan to attack electrical substations in order to try and cause chaos in Maryland's largest city. Special agent in charge, Tom Sabinski, said Marylanders can rest assured that a threat to disrupt their daily lives by attacking the local power grid has been stopped. This planned attack threatened lives and would have left thousands of Marylanders in the cold and dark, U.S. Attorney for Maryland Eric Barron said in a statement. We're united and committed to using every legal means necessary to disrupt violence, including hate-fueled attacks. Russell has previously been described by federal officials as a founder of a neo-Nazi group known as Adam Waffen. In 2018, he was sentenced to five years in prison on explosive charges, according to records, but released in August of 2021. According to a criminal complaint charging the pair with conspiracy to destroy an energy facility, Clendaniel told an FBI confidential informant about plans to attack five substations an effort to cause widespread blackouts that would be that would completely destroy the whole city clendaniel allegedly said extremist cyber criminals and vandals have intensified attacks on the power grid in recent years with such incidents reaching a decade-long peak last year however subsinski said the fbi isn't aware of any links between the pair and other plans to attack electrical infrastructure we have no indication that this was anything larger than what we have said the fbi official which is interesting to say the least but this really has been a weird theme that i feel like we've seen coverage of this fall of it happening and beyond and just so worrisome and interesting mm-hmm. like the changes in tactics yeah that these extremists are using and maybe this has been mm-hmm. going on longer like they measure this in decades long amounts but like longer than we really have realized like i think 
we typically view extremists in vandalizing something, attacking someone, shooting something up, blowing something up. Again, like really on your, on its face, violent. Yeah. And neither of these things are acceptable, good or anything, obviously. But yeah. it's interesting. They're going but it's scary around how, Robin Root. Yeah, and how there's just so many potential dangers that can come from something like this and having a massive power outage that is really it's scary so to think about and be, goes beyond, like you said, like any attack that kind of attack that we've seen before and would be so much more far reaching than anything we've seen before. Yeah. Like you're because you're so right too. like it's not just like, oh, we lost the power for a few hours. Let's light some candles and have like a cuddly like evening in. It's like, no, this impacts hospitals. This impacts traffic, which can cause accidents. This impacts so many different systems that keep people literally alive and protect people's lives. It's scary, scary stuff. So those are our top stories. Go watch State of the Union tonight. And tune in tomorrow for our episode where we will be talking all about speech writing. So it'll be the perfect little post so to event for you to hear really all the behind the scenes that goes into writing a speech and working with major elected officials in that process. So very, very interesting conversation with a literal icon at that too. Amen to that. In the meantime, if you haven't given us a rate and review, please help us grow. Hop on over there. Do us a favor. Rate and review, like I said. If you're a Spotify listener, you can also rate us there as well. And last but not least, if you want action items, resources, things you must read and more to your inbox every other week, the GovHub newsletter is the newsletter for you. So make sure you're signed up. Go to girlonthegov.com and either scroll to sign up for the newsletter, one option, or a second option is that that little pop-up that's going to make itself known as you go to our website. You can submit your email and your name there as well on that. That works as well. So pick your, pick your path. Pick your path and we'll be talking tomorrow. So chat soon. Toodaloo. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.